Hi, everybody, and welcome to Brokerage Insider, the podcast where we interview the leaders in real estate and technology. I'm your host, Eric Stegeman, and I'm the CEO of Tribus. We're one of the largest independent prop tech companies in real estate and provider of custom brokerage technology to medium and large sized brokerages in the United States and Canada. Today on the show, I'm lucky to have my friend Aaron Cardell. Now, Aaron's the founder and CEO of HomeSpotter. HomeSpotter started out as the premier provider of branded apps for brokerages and agents, but the company has recently branched out over the past few years into other options as well. And we'll dive into some of those when we talk to Aaron today. So Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Eric. Great to be here. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. In fact, right before we started recording here, we were talking about how it's the, as we're recording this today on March the 9th. Uh, 2021. I think it's the one-year anniversary of the last time we all saw each other uh, at the Leading RE conference in Las Vegas, right? It's uh, it's been quite a year. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. And and uh, with what you guys do, it'll be interesting to hear some of the data um, that you have of what you've seen over the past year because you're kind of a leading edge uh, in some regards for for that data. So I'm excited to dig in. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to understand a little bit about your background. Um, let's start out by, you know, you're obviously a technical founder. So what got you started to doing software development and then later starting your own company? Yeah, thanks, Eric. Uh, well, uh, real simply, uh, I, I grew up in a rural community in Nebraska. Um, and this was uh, back in the days when uh, computers were still uh, luggables, as they <laughs> called them at the time. They were uh, briefcases. Um, and uh, my parents were entrepreneurs and my mom uh, happened to be an accountant at the firm that they had founded. And so she would drag this uh, briefcase home uh, with her each evening. And uh, at a very young age, I you know, picked up a book about uh, basic uh, programming and uh, learned uh, programming at a, a very early age that way. And just, uh, you know, I think was really excited by the concept of uh, you know, you put in a program and uh, uh, minutes later, what, what you wrote is, is working. And, uh, um, you know, over time, uh, there was kind of that personal joy in, in learning programming, but having parents who were entrepreneurs as well uh, led me down a path where, you know, soon I started exploring what, what does it look like to combine these two things to uh, potentially start a business uh, that, that was also within the, the realm of software. And so by the uh, time I was in high school, I uh, started my first uh, uh, mini little software company that was selling uh, what uh, was referred to at, at the time as shareware uh, over the internet. Uh, it was a Windows program. And, uh, you know, as I say, sometimes it was, uh, you know, not uh, ton of money as far as uh, tech startups uh, go nowadays, but uh, compared to uh, working at the local Dairy Queen, it was, uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good living for a, a high school kid. I now I have not heard the term shareware in a very long time, but it, <laughs> it brought lots of memories back of the software of the month club discs that I used to get. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, I have to ask you, what was the what was the shareware app that you built? <laughs> it's so random, I, I got to tell you. Uh, the The name of the uh, Windows app was called Easy Zip Self Extractor Pro. Oh, um, and and there was only a Pro edition, of course. But <laughs> um, 
you know, the idea was, and this sounds uh, almost insane in retrospect, is a lot of people didn't know how to open a zip file uh, back in the day. And so these uh, programs like the one I created allowed you to convert a zip file into a exe file, you know, something you'd run. And so people could transform their zip file into a, a program that they could send to somebody else. And at the time, people would just uh, trust that and, and run what they were sent. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it was a it was a good little business in a uh, uh, certain niche. So WinZip was your big competitor then, right? They were. Yeah, WinZip was, uh, you know, more kind of the full suite of uh, being able to manage the zip files. And they, they did have their own little uh, self-extractor program. Um, but yeah, they were they were our big competitor. That's so funny. I think some people listening into this, it's going to it's going to bring back a lot of memories thinking about both shareware and and, <laughs> and, and WinZip uh, uh, and, and the old ways of zipping files where it wasn't just a right click like it is right, today. Right, it was a lot right. more complicated uh, 20 something years ago, folks. Uh, so, but that begs the question, how do we go from zipping files uh, to real estate software development? Yeah, well, uh, between that and uh, founding uh, what's now HomeSpotter, uh, I had a few uh, other startups along the way, spent uh, a fair amount of time in K-12 education um, had a company that had a student information system that was sold to uh, Pearson Education, and I uh, worked there for a while. Um, and uh, it was a lot of a lot of great time. Uh, and uh, then, you know, right around 2009, after I left Pearson, um, I had just gotten into iPhone development personally, and uh, was something I was personally excited with. And I had an experience where my wife and I were looking for the next house uh, where we wanted to live and driving around on the weekends uh, just felt like a very empty experience on an iPhone at the time. Uh, couldn't figure out, you know, why can't I see what open houses are open right now? Um, and, you know, I certainly had the experience on some brokerage websites prior to that of a good experience on the desktop. Uh, but there just wasn't a good moral equivalent of that on, on the phone. And, and even in 2009, at least when this idea really got started, this was before uh, Realtor.com or Zillow or others like it uh, even had an iPhone app yet. And so really just, you know, out of a personal experience and need, uh, that's what led to starting what was at the time mobile realty apps and is now rebranded HomeSpotter. And I real quick, uh, very, uh, very quickly learned that uh, kind of the way into the industry was through uh, IDX rules, which I learned about and partnering with brokerage firms. And that's what led us down a path of uh, a white labeled app business for uh, brokerage firms uh, that they could basically have a, a mobile app to complement their, their website well. Yeah, and uh, it's now, I think the number one provider uh, of those uh, after uh, another company that was out there got acquired a couple of years ago, you're, you're the, you're the big dog now, right? Yeah, we, uh, we are now in, in the market leading position in, in that uh, space. Yes. That's great. Um, but the, you know, obviously there's the concern that 
that brokers have, and and I take calls like this from concerned brokers. Uh, saying, you know, oh, well, just everybody uses Redfin or everybody uses Zillow. Why do I need uh, an app, they might say, or or in the calls that I take, it's why do I need IDX on my website? Um, you mm-hmm. know, everybody just goes to Redfin anyways. What would you say to, to brokers that, that are having those thoughts? You know, I think the, the big thing I would say, Eric, is um, there can be different tools for different stages of the transaction. And uh, one of the one of the biggest things that we found is that um, uh, our apps have been a great way for agents to really um, nurture many of the relationships that they have and uh, convert maybe some of the ones that are only uh, passively looking into more of an actively buying mode. And we do find a number of scenarios, even where agents might be uh, buying leads from the likes of Zillow. Uh, where ultimately they get uh, one of our apps in their um, now client's hands. It, it's a great means for uh, collaboration uh, during the transaction. And it's also a kind of a great way to stay in touch even in those times where um, that uh, potential buyer isn't yet in an actively buying mode. Uh, we've also found that uh, Brokerages that have uh, a lot of traffic on their IDX websites um, are really in the best position if, if they want to use our apps as a primary means of lead generation, uh, not just for that nurturing, that they can uh, uh, use their uh, mobile web traffic, uh, which they've already got a great presence with, uh, to, to push downloads of the app as well. And that makes a lot of sense. It's it's almost like the uh, the positioning isn't the discovery; it's the connection side of it with with the mm-hmm. with the agent, right? Um, Certainly. So you know something that I've been really interested in and paying a lot more attention to recently is is push notifications. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, for the brokers out there that are listening, if if you're not aware of what TCPA is, you should probably look into the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. Because uh, there's all sorts of rules around your agents and your responsibilities with regard to sending text messages uh, to folks, particularly when it comes to marketing text messages, if they haven't opted in. But but push notifications are kind of the wild west. Um, there's no restrictions behind them because it's a sheer data connection. It's not going over the the telephone network. Um, how important have you seen those push notifications be to create uh, engagement with your apps? Yeah, I can I can say that it's an area we've done a lot more in over the last uh, year or so, and building in uh, prompts to uh, deliver push notifications around things like uh, listing alerts, say when you've saved a property, if the price changes, or um, if you've got a safe search, um, letting the consumer know that there are matching properties, um, or you know, another way we've used push notifications for a long time is really with this built-in messaging and collaboration component to um, foster communication. And when somebody sends someone else a a message to uh, send a push notification to get them uh, back into the app. And it's a a huge driver. Um, We've seen uh, over the last year, um, really a 25% year over year increase in uh, something uh, that we track called the uh, Dow Mao ratio. 
and Dalmau is uh, daily active users to uh, monthly active users. And, uh, you know, we've seen a 25% lift over the last year in that Dalmau ratio um, to very high levels. And, and a lot of that is really driven by these push notifications. That's phenomenal. I mean, in the app world, uh, Dao and Mao is, is, is everything. Uh, it's yeah. how, if you're a mobile app developer, it's how your entire app gets valued is based upon daily active users and, and monthly active users. And uh, obviously from a brokerage perspective, being able to push those numbers up to their apps um, with little things uh, like this that may not even have costs associated with them from the broker standpoint, uh, it, it seems like it's everything. And it's what's going to connect them with their agent versus going over and using that Redfin app uh, that they don't have a, a personalized connection with, right? Indeed, indeed. So, so just a okay. yeah, great way to continue that engagement over time. Yeah, for sure, uh, for sure. You constantly stay on their phone. I mean, I mean, I know a broker who has an app, and they're not only pushing out through push notifications, you know, updates to their uh, to the listings that somebody may be subscribed to, but also general information about uh, buying a home, selling a home, almost using it like a uh, like a, a drip message that's in a push notification. And they're seeing great engagement with that. Um, also, their mortgage division is using the app to push out notifications saying, hey, now's a, you know, you, you bought a home from us last year uh, and your rate was 3.125. We can now refi you and do a courtesy refi because you're a client of, of you know, this brokerage for 2.75, you know, we act now before rates go up and that in-house mortgage operation is, is printing money uh, from being oh, able to bet. leverage those text yeah. messages, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, that's a great point, Eric. We've seen, um, you know, that's another way we've, we've seen, I'm sure you see it across the board too, is uh, those, those brokerages that have those uh, affiliated or in-house uh, mortgage businesses, uh, the, the opportunities, uh, whether it's, with the apps that we power otherwise for co-branding and, and really driving opportunities across the business is uh, pretty, pretty deep and pretty important. For sure. For sure. Um, so let's, you know, let's dig into the general app space inside of real estate a little bit more. Obviously we talked about Redfin and Zillow being the two kind of primary apps and, and maybe realtor.com is right there uh, with them, considering how much money they spend on trying to get people to download their app uh, too. But in the brokerage app space, there's been, you know, some things that have changed with it over the past few years. And obviously, like you said, you're the dominant player. But before then, you know, 10 years ago, everybody kind of knew of this other company, Smarter Agent, uh, who I'm, I'm going to guess you considered to be your closest competitor for a long time. And that company was bought by KW and just shut down. Uh, it, it, you know, if you if you don't, if you're not a KW person, you can't use um, the, the smarter agent app anymore. And I know there was franchises and, and Relogy had much of their entire app strategy built around smarter agent. So what have you seen brands, brokerages, uh, franchises do? Have they been moving over to you? Have they been abandoning app strategies? What's, what's the, the look going forward now that KW is shutting this all down? You know, it's, it's really a, a mixed bag, uh, Eric, uh, and um, also, I just got to say, you know, Brad and, and Eric at Smarter Agent were absolutely uh, pioneers in the space. And so was uh, glad to see that they had a, a good outcome at uh, Keller Williams. Uh, but in terms of what brands and brokerages are doing in, in light of uh, uh, the decision to um, stop offering the service to other brokerages, 
uh, we, we've seen uh, parties take a, a few different paths. Um, you know, some uh, are uh, taking this as an opportunity to revisit their strategy and determine, um, do we wanna keep uh, an app uh, moving forward? Um, others are, um, you know, the particularly big brokerages, I think there are, uh, or especially at the franchise level, those are um, some parties that are looking to bring some of those efforts in-house. Uh, although I gotta say, um, having done this for 10 years, it's a, certainly a lot of work and a, a big lift. Um, we do see a few parties doing that. And, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, Realogy is one example. They um, have a firm that they partnered with uh, that, uh, um, you know, helps them out in, in that capacity. Um, but, uh, you know, we are seeing a number of brokerages that um, uh, are choosing to um, move to companies like ours. And also in, in so doing, maybe revisiting their app strategy and seeing, uh, do we wanna take this from maybe more of a, hey, we're checking the box that we've got a mobile app and we can tell our agents we have an app, but we're really not going to think about it a whole lot. To one where they they really want to have it as an integral part of their business, and um, those are a number of the conversations that we're having right now, and they're uh, they're exciting. We've uh, I think over the last quarter um, signed uh, more more new uh, brokerage app deals than, than we have in in some time, and it's uh, uh, good to see the uh, continued excitement in the space. That's great because it's it, you know I I'm a I I hate that concept that brokers uh, have sneaking around in their brain right now that they've lost the the search war uh, to Zillow, Redfin, Realtor.com, etc. Um, you know I, I think that having those types of apps or having an IDX uh, website. Uh, having that capability there, you know, while it may not be the number one item on Google when somebody does a search for their website or, or, you know, they may not be their broker jet may not be the number one thing when somebody searches real estate inside of the app store. Um, but it's there and it serves a major purpose. And so it's good to hear that, um, that you're not seeing them abandon it, regardless of whether they build it in house or not, it's probably good for home spotter that people are still seeing, a reason to invest in the space, right? Definitely, definitely. And and uh, three quick tips I'll give you, regardless of whether you work with us, build your own, work with somebody else. Um, you know, the best ways to drive app downloads really are, are threefold. Um, you want to make sure that you've got uh, a banner or similar on your uh, website that uh, pushes uh, your your mobile traffic and in, encourages uh, that mobile traffic to uh, download the app. Um, really want to make sure you train your agents well and that uh, the app that you adopt has a agent branding component to it so that when agents uh, give out their app, agents you know have some certitude that they're giving out their version of the app and that leads are going to come back to them. Uh, we see that some of the more successful brokerages um, have really engaged their agents really well at uh, distributing the app. Um, and then the, the third thing is, while it's, it's certainly hard to compete on a national level um, on search, uh, if, if you buy ads in the uh, search ads interface for Apple, for example, 
uh, you can still buy um, keywords and, and do it only limited to specific uh, geographies. So um, you can uh, certainly advertise and promote uh, your, your real estate app as, you know, kind of the primary app that people will see when they search in the app store and just limit that to the um, MSA or, or the state or um, area that you're in. And, and you can drive a lot of success that way as well. I had no idea that you could advertise in the app store to a, to a particular uh, locality. I thought it was just country specific. So you're saying if you're in Minneapolis, like you are, um, you, you can run an ad for your app downloads just in Minneapolis? Absolutely. Oh, that's great. I had, I had no idea. Um, so let's talk about your ad program now for a second. Um, in 2018, Homes Federal launched a, a division called Boost, uh, and that's an easy way to automate listing advertising. And there's been, it seems like just a, a, a an avalanche uh, of push in this space re recently. Um, but 2018 was probably on the early tail uh, of this. So what what made you go in that direction back in 2018? Yeah, you know, it was uh, kind of a confluence of factors, Eric. Um, you know, first, first things first, um, you know, we had had uh, tremendous growth in our first uh, uh, five years at uh, uh, what was then uh, HomeSpotter. Um, but, but we also knew that, uh, you know, um, if, if we really wanted to continue to grow as a business, we were gonna need to give some serious thought to, is there a, a second uh, product uh, that we wanna bring to market? And so as we uh, went through that exercise, we really looked at uh, where did we see current gaps uh, within residential real estate tech and uh, in interviewing different customers, um, were there opportunities where we could match up uh, gaps in the industry to actual customer needs? And so in the um, fall of uh, 2016, I, I believe it was, we uh, started to um, you know really do a lot of these customer interviews, which led to uh, early pilot programs. And uh, we, we did test out a number of different uh, potential approaches in the ad space. Uh, but the, you know, some of the concepts that really um, came to the forefront as part of those uh, uh, tests was, while there certainly were others in the industry that had focused uh, on uh, agents being able to individually buy ads. And while there were others who had, you know, built up great uh, consultancies or extensions to their platform of how to do PPC marketing on Google, for example, um, there, there seemed to be a real lack of uh, an approach where uh, brokerages could automate listing or open house ads at scale uh, particularly on social platforms. Um, and uh, as, as we explored that, um, you know, we uh, had some early successful pilots and uh, really kind of found uh, an early need. And it was something where, um, you know, we, we brought a minimum viable product to market for some of those early customers. and early 2017 and, and we just uh, kept uh, iterating from there and, and got a lot of traction from it. But uh, 
you know, it was really just being willing to, to take a step back and know that, um, you know, at, at the forefront, it maybe didn't immediately connect to the app business that we had already built, uh, but we were able to, um, you know, really deliver strong for some of our existing brokerage partners and also use a, a fair amount of the tech in terms of, you know, there's just a lot of uh, knowledge that, you know, kind of develops over time around managing listing data, agent roster data, um, managing integrations with great third parties like Tribus and uh, make, making sure that it all hooks together well. So that's, uh, that's really what led us into the space. Yeah, it's, and obviously you've extended that business out uh, over the past few years. Um, you know, obviously the, the past year has been interesting uh, in, in two ways. Number one is last year, you know, everybody was worried that the bottom was going to fall out from the real estate industry. And uh, of course it didn't. Um, and, and so let's first start talking about 2020. Um, you know, what, what were you seeing that agents were doing very effectively or brokerages were doing very effectively with their ad spends uh, with Boost last year? Um, th that, you know, was it listing ads that were generating the best return on investment for them or, or what were they doing? And, and what would you say that a, an average broker looks at spending um, per listing uh, for marketing that listing online through you? Yeah, I mean, we we do offer uh, a number of different uh, programs based on um, you know volume thresholds and performance considerations and and those kinds of things. Uh, but you know, typically, uh, I'll just say uh, you know medium sized uh, brokerage. Uh, you know, they uh, might be typically looking to spend uh, in in the neighborhood of say a minimum of, of $40 per uh, new listing ad for a one week uh, promotion. And, uh, you know, we also have with our automation, some opportunities where, you know, maybe they decide for their luxury properties, they want to run it for a longer period of time or with a different ad creative or those kinds of things. And uh, we have uh, ways to help them scale their spend based on uh, the, the profile of the, the property. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of things we've uh, seen over the last year, certainly uh, uh, listing ads at, at large have been uh, the most uh, productive. Um, and uh, the we, we've also seen um, those that are, are really focusing on it just because inventory is so constrained as I think we all feel in the industry, um, moving beyond just the say new listing ad or the open house ad to, you know, also promote recently solds. And um, on the surface, while it might seem uh, counterintuitive, counterintuitive to some, why am I promoting this property I already sold? Um, it's kind of the best way to communicate to the neighbors, like I'm, I'm here to sell your property and I was successful at this one. And it's, uh, you know, same tactic that I think has been successfully used in uh, uh, direct marketing uh, through the postal service for, for years. And, and this is a, a way of doing it digitally. Yeah, I recently spoke with somebody at Redfin and uh, that person mentioned to me that the single best dollar spend, a uh, return on investment spend of literally anything they do at the entire company was uh, listing catalog ads uh, that they mm -hmm. targeted to to people. 
Um, uh, would you say you're, you're, that you've talked to brokers? Would you, would you say that you've heard the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, and there, there's a balance too of, um, you know, we, we really like to work through with a brokerage. What, what are the goals that they're trying to accomplish? And, um, you know, I think the, the better vendors in this space will, uh, really try to meet the brokerage where they're at in terms of, uh, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, uh, and, and whether that's uh, driving leads or whether that's driving um, uh, clicks to your own website uh, because you want the traffic or, um, or maybe you're trying to drive brand awareness, um, you know, making sure that your uh, partner is aligned with accomplishing the, the goals that you want to accomplish is uh, pretty important. Uh, but, but I say that to say like, um, you know, if, if your goal is to, um, drive clicks to your website, um, there, there can actually be a little bit of art and science to not disclosing too many details on the ad creative in a way that compels people to, to click through and uh, want to learn more and, and hopefully in a way that uh, transforms to a, a meaningful lead. Uh, you know, obviously that's the, the, the differentiator, uh, but I know lots of people I've spoken with have mentioned that um, they're generating Facebook lead ad leads, which, you know, aren't necessarily the best quality of lead, but I've heard metrics from some brokers that they're able to in mass generate uh, Facebook lead ad leads for sub $2. Uh, would, would you say you've seen the same thing and do you guys do anything with Facebook lead ads? Yeah, we support, uh, Facebook lead ads. Uh, we, we also have, uh, you know, something that's a, a little bit unique to us where, um, we, um, optionally provide uh, uh, property landing pages uh, along with the uh, ads. And um, we have a, a special kind of gated property lead page where um, basically if the consumer wants to get uh, the address or additional photos or things like that, uh, they can um, uh, click and unlock with Facebook and, and get the information that way. and. That, that way, it's kind of a little further in the qualification process that, hey, we know this person is a level deeper and interested in the property. It's still still an early stage lead, uh, but it's a little further along than gating it uh, in the way that, that a Facebook lead form uh, is. Uh, but there are pros and cons to both approaches, and, and that's why we uh, support both. And, and it's, uh, we, we believe, important to uh, you know, have a partner that gives you options and can coach you through uh, what, what the better options are. Well, let's talk about partners for just a second. Um, so, you know, there's, let's call it an open secret um, that one of the partners in this space keeps a very high percentage uh, of the total ad spend. And the numbers that I've heard um, some people tell me is, is north of 70%, between 70 and 80%, depending on um, how much the spend was for that particular campaign on that listing. How do you guys think about ad spend and performance? Yeah, uh, you know, that's that's something we've noticed too, Eric. Um, and that that was also a thing that, uh, you know, compelled us to want to get into this uh, space early on to, to really provide uh, what we believe is more of a, a fair deal to our, our brokerage partners. I guess the way that we look at it is um, we, we believe that uh, 
um, you know, it's, it's important to do apples to apples comparisons when you're looking at partners and uh, uh, to, um, you know, actually look at performance metrics. Uh, and we've, uh, we've been afforded the opportunity in some cases where, um, you know, brokerage uh, uh, at, at a national scale and, and a brokerage at, you know, say a statewide scale have done side-by-side -side tests with us against, uh, you know, some of these these other vendors, and um, they they came back to us after after those tests and said, we, we don't understand. We're we're getting uh, uh, ten to twenty times the number of clicks uh, from your ads. What's what's different here? Um, and uh, you know, it's uh, um, it's a little bit of an awkward conversation, but you know, they kind of quickly realize like, oh, I, I see there's a performance difference here and you know that $1 spent here is not the same as $1 spent uh, over here. For sure. Uh, and, and that's where performance matters, um, whether it's in, in, in almost impressions is the bare bones. Like if you just compare impressions, if you spend $1 and with one company you get you know, a thousand impressions and with the other company, you get 2000 impressions and, and not like that's an accurate number or anything like that. But, but uh, knowing that obviously your spend is being better utilized from one to the next. And then you can also can compare the leads and the click throughs uh, beyond just the traditional impressions and, and see a lift uh, between them. I think that's just so important uh, for brokers to think about that this space can yield you leads. It can yield business. It can yield clicks back through to your website. It's not just about branding you on Facebook, uh, or, or on any other site. Um, it, you know, you should pay attention to metrics, uh, that's on there. And I, and I think it's an important conversation that, that you should have with your partner. So I, uh, cheers to you, uh, at, at boost for, for making sure the brokers are getting looked out for and that they're getting uh, getting better spend uh, or getting better value for their spend. Um, I want to move on because we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I wanted to talk about um, you, you know your acquisition of Spacio too. And, and Spacio, for those that don't know, Spacio is the number one open house registration app. So uh, for example, when somebody goes to an open house, you'd have an iPad sitting out uh, or a laptop or something like that. And the person could go on there and register uh, and, and say, you know, here's my name and my information for them walking into the open house. Uh, what made, made HomeSpotter say, hey, look, this is, a, this is a good acquisition opportunity for us? Yeah, you know, it, it was a number of things, Eric. Um, you know, first off, uh, dating back to even, I'd say, 2013, uh, we had had some internal conversations at HomeSpotter about, hey, maybe we should consider building a open house registration app. And I think it was, you know, somewhat a combination of we, we already had the mobile experience and uh, um, also just from a workflow perspective, like one of the, one of the best ways to distribute our, our search apps is direct from agents. And one of the great places to make that connection is at an open house. And so the thought was there, if we can um, send open house visitors out the door uh, with one of our uh, mobile apps um, that that would make a lot of sense. And that was a, a thought we had had for a number of years. Um, as we continue to expand with, with Boost, um, you know, uh, uh, prior to last year anyway, with COVID, um, a, a rather large percentage, rather large percentage of uh, Boost spend has been on open house promotions. And so 
we we also saw some some opportunities if we're going to be um, a, working to get people to open houses with our boost ads that uh, um, it would be great to also be capturing those registrations uh, uh, with a, a solution and also as ad tech continues to evolve we've seen uh, just a lot of uh, uh, the importance over time of how important it is to have first party data and having some of that uh, uh, first party um, foot traffic uh, visitor data can be a, a great way to um, improve ad targeting on behalf of our, our brokerage partners over time. So those are a lot of the reasons that we were uh, generally interested uh, in the category. Um, and I would say just combined with that, um, I had known uh, one of the co-founders of Spacio, Melissa Kwan, for um, pretty much since uh, uh, she and Ting had uh, founded the, the business. Um, and, uh, you know, joke later that um, I floated the idea of acquiring Spacio much earlier, and, and it sure would have been a lot less expensive um, uh, in those early days, but it uh, also probably wouldn't have been as good of a value uh, because while we certainly had the chops to, to build any of this tech in-house. I think um, being able to acquire a company that had been so laser focused on the, the category for um, as, as long as they were, uh, there was both a lot of expertise that came with that and a lot of deep uh, brokerage relationships. And so, um, you know, they, they built a good business and uh, it, it just made sense to pursue an acquisition. Yeah, and and for sure, uh, and with uh, Melissa has now moved on to to do her own thing, and and frankly, I've had a couple friends tell me that I should I should look into her to her her new project uh, with selling uh, technology using an automated webinar process. Um, sounds like she's uh, she's being the next uh, Greg Robertson with lightning twice of creating two tech companies and 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 selling them off. So, uh, you know, cheers to you, Melissa, for for creating Spacio and and now moving on to this next product. That sounds great too. Um, but I wanted to definitely wanted to ask you, Aaron, about uh, a little bit about open houses. So obviously with COVID uh, last year, um, and I know you kind of mentioned this, but I'd like to dig in a little bit if you've got the data on it, um, is, you know, obviously open houses in some places were illegal, um, in other places were severely restricted, um, and in other places were wide open. And so what have you seen registrations do uh, over the past year? And are they starting to tick back up again now that in most places you can get back to holding an open house again? Yeah, we're, you know, we we definitely saw a, a street, steep drop off in uh, 2020. Uh, but fortunately, we are seeing uh, them, them tick back up in a a very meaningful way. Um, and just as uh, one anecdote, I was looking at our data a little bit earlier today. And in, just in the first weekend of March 2021 alone, uh, we had um, three times the number of open houses hosted on, on Spacio as compared to all of April 2020. Um, and wow. so, um, Holy cow. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's still, you know, uh, to be fair, it's not, uh, quite, uh, uh, it, it's still below historical norms, but, um, you know, we, we are seeing them tick back up in a meaningful way. Yeah. It's like the, uh, showing time data. One of the very first interviews we ever did on the brokerage insider podcast was, uh, the showing, uh, uh Michael uh, Lane from showing time, 
Uh, if you remember last year, they had that all of that data on showings. Um, you know, like with that uh, and with what you had, it's it's kind of that leading indicator of where we're going next. Uh, but frankly, right now, it seems like the biggest problem isn't people wanting to buy. Uh, it's it's being able to have inventory. So any any you know tips that you could give to brokers and agents using any of the products that you have really about you know what they can do today to try to go get more inventory. Yeah. Um, uh, so in terms of trying to go get uh, more inventory, like I, like I mentioned earlier, I think um, uh, you know making sure that like if you're doing listing marketing, focusing not just on the new listing, like you need to care a little bit more about getting the next seller than you maybe need to care right now about getting a buyer, uh, because fortunately inventory is constrained and many properties are going to uh, sell pretty quickly, and so. Um, you know, whether it's focusing on things like uh, recently sold ads or whether it's thinking about, uh, well, we've captured some of these open house visitors over time. We're going to make sure that we really nurture those leads well. And whether you're doing that with uh, a great CRM system that you have or some of the uh, uh, email uh, follow-up tools we have built into Spacio or or, or maybe it's uh, you know reaching out to those uh, buyers and, and trying to get a home search app in their hands. Um, I think the the key is to stay top of mind. Uh, you know you don't know um, when that next seller is is gonna decide to list, but you want to make sure that you're top of mind when they uh, decide to. And uh, you know I think it's uh, sometimes you gotta gotta play the long game. And I think when properties are selling so quickly, you can kind of um, begin to think, well, I don't need to spend on marketing right now because it's just going to sell quickly anyway. Um, but when, when you kind of shift that mindset from, you know, it's not just about selling this property, it's about getting that next listing. I, I think that's pretty important. For sure. For sure. Okay. Well, um, we, we're out of time, but I always ask all my guests uh, this one last question. And that is, Aaron, you know, knowing what you've known, coming from the past that you've had, starting with building shareware, uh, going into the education industry, and now with years of experience in the real estate tech industry, if you could change one thing about the real estate industry, what would that one thing be? Uh, I'm going to go with a somewhat controversial statement here, um, but I, I think um, uh, if... MLS dues were considerably higher. Um, I, I think uh, it, it might be good for the industry as, as a whole. Um, you know, I was, uh, one, one of the things I heard early on when I um, entered the industry was, was hearing some agents um, actually suggest that, like, I, I wouldn't mind paying more if it, uh, you know, meant that we had uh, people that were a little bit more uh, focused on this as their, their only job. And um, while, you know, I certainly uh, respect anyone that does uh, real estate, uh, any, any part of their uh, time or any part of their profession, I, I do think there's kind of a higher level of service that, uh, you know, the full-time professional can give. And, uh, you know, I honestly, with all the dynamics in the industry, I'm not sure um, how that happens until, um, you know, the, uh, uh, perhaps the fee to enter is a little bit higher. 
For sure. And we've actually had a, a few guests kind of allude to the same thing. Uh, and of course, Rob Hahn talks about, you know, uh, NAR 300,000 or something like that, that they're really all the same, the deals that are done in this space could be done by a million less, less members. Uh, but of course, NAR doesn't want that. Um, and, you know, just but as a good example of exactly what you're talking about, one of our mutual clients between Tribus and, and HomeSpotter is, of course, Remax Results. And, uh, you know, there, if you can go back and listen to the interview that we did on this show with Brenda Tusshouse, the CEO there, and she talked about um, how, you know, they have a mandate that essentially says if you don't sell at least 12 homes a year, um, you, you, you probably should move your license to a different brokerage. And, and frankly, their average agent does over 24 transactions per year with uh, 1,300 sales associates. And, and uh, um, so they're just, you know, kicking butt and uh, um, selling more with 1,400 folks than other competitors in that market that have three, 4,000 uh, agents are doing uh, because they're focused on that full-time uh, serious professional. So, um, well, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate you giving the time and, and the particulars uh, of things that brokers can think about. And uh, why, don't you, why don't you leave everybody with where they can get in touch with HomeSpotter if they wanna learn more about what you do. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you can check us out at uh, homespotter.com or uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me personally, uh, Aaron at homespotter.com. Well, thanks again, Aaron. Uh, you've been listening to Aaron Cardell. He's the founder and CEO of HomeSpotter, the number one provider of apps to the brokerage industry, along with providing the number one open house app to the industry and providing Boost, uh, an option for marketing your listings and your brokerage and your agents. You've been listening to Brokerage Insider, the podcast where we interview the leaders in real estate and technology. Make sure to subscribe using anywhere that you get your podcast to get this episode and future episodes automatically delivered to your device. Thanks so much for listening.